peace and sweet rest as we were thinking about the words of that as that was played instrumentally and uh, thank the Lord for that. Well, my message tonight uh, is related to the subject that uh, Brother uh, Christian was just uh, going over with us. I want to talk to you for a little bit about those that are without, that are outside uh, of uh, our uh, four walls of our church, those that are without. We're we're those that are within, and you're here within. We're those that are within, and uh, we can think of ourselves as those that are within the kingdom of God as well. If you're saved tonight, if you're a child of God, you're within the kingdom. You're within uh, His house. You're within the family of God. But uh, the Bible speaks uh, several times of those that are without or outside of the family of God, outside of the kingdom, outside of the church. And so um, we want to spend a little time focusing on that since our uh, theme is uh, heading into that uh, outreach month that we have. Of course, we think of uh, every month as an outreach month, but uh, uh, this in particular, as we start the month off with uh, uh, Brother Dave uh, coming, Brother Dave McCracken, to preach uh, a revival meeting. We're going to have that uh, beginning on that uh, 26th of, uh, of October, and then uh, or 27th, I believe it is, that Sunday anyway, and on through the Wednesday night, and then, men, we're going to carry right on with that uh, into our men's conference coming up on that uh, Friday and that Saturday, and so uh, it'll be a great start. If, if men get revived, you know, uh, it seems like everything else falls in place better too, you know. Uh, women do better if the men are revived. Well, the children do better if the men are revived, and if the lead is taken by men in revival, then, uh, then everything else uh, does well, so I want to encourage you guys to uh, to uh, be signed up for this and get there. We're uh, going to um, we're going to be having some some uh, great meetings there, and uh, I always enjoy Brother Doug Fisher, Pastor Fisher is the Lighthouse down Lighthouse Baptist Church in uh, in the San Diego area, and always brings a a powerful uh, message of truth for men and boys, and uh, he's going to be there, and of course. Uh, one of our missionaries, Brother Dwight Tomlinson, is back uh, from China. Uh, he's going to be preaching. What a burden he has for the Chinese people and for the 1040 uh, window. The, the missionary voice that we'll hear, Brother Dwight Tomlinson from the field of China. And so uh, you are going to be blessed by Brother Tomlinson. And then Kurt Skelly, he's the pastor in Fredericksburg, Virginia, of the Faith Baptist Church, a very thriving ministry there. Brother Kurt Skelly is going to be one of our preachers as well along with Brother McCracken. So we men are going to get a double-barreled blessing for that week and uh, looking forward to what God is going to do. We're going to be trying to reach those that are without. Now, those that are within have functions, have responsibilities. We that are within are to glorify the Lord. Here within the congregation, we're to glorify the Lord in our lives. Those of us that are within are, are gathered together to worship the Lord. We find in the scriptures the importance of not only individual worship, but especially of corporate worship, gathering together in God's house where God's name is and worshiping and honoring Him. With our praise, with our songs of praise, with our prayers, with our focus on the, uh, to the attention of God's Word, with our desire to have the Spirit of God work through His Word in our hearts, we are here to worship the Lord. We're here to encourage one another. The scripture certainly makes it clear that part of our responsibility in gathering together is to be an encouragement one to another, that we're to uphold one to another, that we're to lift up one another in prayer and, and in support. We're to be an encouragement 
one to another. Another reason we're gathered within is to grow in faith and the knowledge of the truth. Those, are, those that are within are supposed to be doing those things. We're supposed to be growing in faith and the knowledge of the truth. You're supposed to be like a reptile in that sense, you know. A reptile never stops growing in, until the end of its life and just grows bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, mammals are not that way. They grow to a certain point and that's the end of it. Uh, so in the sense of growing, you ought to be like a reptile, just growing bigger and bigger and bigger, <laughs> just growing closer and closer and closer to the Lord, just <clears throat> growing more in knowledge and understanding and faith and wisdom and growing. So that's those that are within. Uh, but the other thing and the uh, other great function that we are focusing on now in this month and next is the function that we have to reach those that are without. It's our those of us that are within... Our responsibility is to reach those that are without, that are outside. And so we have these passages that we'll take a quick look at tonight. There's only four places in the Bible that mentions, that speak specifically about those that are without insofar as our relationship to them. And we'll, we'll look at those uh, this evening and get what God wants us to get. Those that are without. Um, one of the essentials that God recorded in the Word for pastors and for deacons uh, used that uh, term. He, uh, he talked about elders and he said of the elders, of the uh, pastors and deacons in particular, he said they have to have a good report of them which are without, which are outside of the circle of the church family, outside of the walls of the church, out in the community, out in the uh, workplace, out in the marketplace, down at Lowe's and over at Home Depot and uh, and in the grocery store, and at the gas station, and in your neighborhood, those that are without, that are outside, we as, uh, as pastors and, and deacons, we're told that we're to have a good report of them that are without. But the address to pastors and deacons and the qualifications for pastors and deacons uh, have a good deal of application to uh, the, what the Bible calls elders. Now, one of the terms that is used for a pastor or a bishop is an elder, but there are other passages in the Bible which refer to elders in the congregation. That is, those that are older in the faith, those that are more mature in the faith, those that should be the company from which can be drawn pastors and, and uh, deacons. Those also are, are uh, in, the, in the Scripture described as mature men, uh, mature people, mature Christians that are uh, growing and, and particularly men, we, we need to have men who are, who are qualified as elders, that is who are qualified, could be a deacon, could be a pastor if God calls them. And so elders in the congregation refers uh, at times to those that are, uh, that are in the place where they're mature enough spiritually to have that kind of a qualification and responsibility. So the, the, uh, the good report concerning elders is it applies to that kind of an elder as well, that kind of a Christian who's maturing in faith, who's growing in the Lord, who's responsible, who's faithful, who's a testimony, an example. And so a good report of them that are without applies there as, as well. And now we're told in the Bible regarding this business of how we are to be with those that are without we're told to walk before them in wisdom. Take your Bible to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. 
And let's read verse 5 and 6. You don't need to stand for that. We want to just include several passages as we go down through here. I don't really have a text, a single text per se. So uh, I'm just going to ask you to remain seated as we uh, read the various passages of Scripture. Colossians chapter 4, verse uh, 5 and verse 6. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and verse 6. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without that are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. So the every man part of that and the those that are without part of that suggests to us or indicates to us our relationship with those that uh, we're talking about outside the walls tonight. And he says we're to walk before them in wisdom. We're to have wisdom in our conduct, wisdom in our speech. So we as growing Christians, we as elders, if you will, we as maturing Christians, have that responsibility to them that are without. We owe that to them. You owe it to them. You owe it to the waitress or the waiter that waits your table to walk in wisdom. You owe it to them to conduct yourself in a manner that's befitting a Christian. They should not... uh, go back to the kitchen and say, boy, table 14, they're a real bummer. (laughs) I don't like like serving them. Uh, And that's unfortunately too often the case with uh, those professing Christians that when we get to those that are without, we, we have a different standard of how we treat them, how we talk, how we react to them than we do if we're in church and the Holy Brethren are watching our actions, you know. Uh, and so, you know, they may, you know, they may burn your pancakes. Well, you know, just to kindly ask them if they can replace them. Don't yell at them and say, you know, what kind of a place is this? That kind of thing. The, the wisdom that we're supposed to be applying has to do with our conduct, you know. And um, when somebody cuts you off in line at the gas station, are you the first out of the car saying, hey, that was my spot. Get out of there. Get out of my way, you know. Uh, it, it wouldn't be just easier to back, back up and back out and get behind them. You find out you... You're there anyway. I was in the line at the, you know, um, at the, uh, the socialist center there at the at the uh, TW, uh, TSA, you know, and uh, uh, and uh, I was trying to get my shoes off, and the knots were in them double, and and as I've told you before, the de- the devil always knots my shoes, and I can't untie them when I need to, and so I couldn't get the knot out, you know, and people were piling up behind me there, and I finally got the knot out and got them all in, got undressed, you know, and, and took everything out of my pockets, you know, and all that, and. And, uh, you know, humiliated myself through there and holding my trousers while their belts off and that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and, and made my way through there. But I got back in line. They told me, get back in line, you know. But there's four people behind me that said, hey, we were, we were in line ahead of you. So, uh, and I just was doing what the guy told me to do, you know. He said, get right there in line. And so they were mad about that. And so I was uh, uh, back in line behind him. I said, that's no problem. I got a line behind him. And. And, uh, you know, got through it all, ended up, I, I got on the plane, and I, uh, it was, you know, getting loaded on, and, and I, lo and behold, I was about five people ahead of the people that were in front of me before that, so God put me back in that place. Uh, but I was glad I didn't get mad and say something unkind to them, you know, um, I, I'm sure they, they uh, you know, felt a little, a little uh, awkward a, a bit uh, at that. They expected me to, you know, confront them, they expected me to argue with them, but, uh, as a, as a Christian, you and I need to think about these things in, in when we're without, when we're outside. 
uh, I had the opportunity to be a testimony to them because of that. And so uh, I didn't feel like I couldn't say anything about the Lord or, or give a gospel tract to anybody around me. I didn't, uh, wasn't in a position where I thought, boy, I, don't, I hope they don't realize I'm a Christian, you know. And I, I want us to recognize that that's one of the things we need to be aware of in our conduct to those that are without we shouldn't after have to ever have to think, boy, I hope they don't, uh, they don't uh, connect the, the, the fact that I'm a Christian. So, uh, so I'm saying to you, let's uh, recognize how, how uh, important it is for us to have our conduct in a fashion that glorifies Christ to those that are without. And our speech, what we say and how we say it, the temperament and tone which, which, with which we say it, we sometimes, uh, you know, aren't our testimony and our speech isn't matching our testimony of Christ. And so let us be, uh, let us exercise care there as well in our speech. Don't let it be said this, thy speech betrayeth thee. <laughs> thy speech betrayeth thee. Uh, it tells us uh, something about thee that thou art not admitting. <laughs> so uh, Peter was, uh, was trying to deny Christ and was to trying to deny his Christianity, but his speech betrayed him. And uh, they recognized that he talked like uh, some of the Christians talked. And so he shifted gears and made his speech like unto theirs so that he could fulfill his denial, didn't he? He cursed and swore. Uh, and his uh, speech changed as a result of that. A Christian has uh, no business uh, conducting himself in a fashion where his speech betrays him as something other than a committed Christian. We... Uh, all need help with that, don't we? And so we're to walk uh, our conduct toward them without. It has to do with our speech. Is, uh, is our speech and our conduct outside, is it conducive to uh, getting those without within? Is it conducive to that? And if not, God is dealing with our hearts about that. So then in our work and our ways, we're to display uh, integrity. We're to display honesty, you know, uh, he said, uh, walking honestly toward them that are without. He says in 1 Thessalonians 4, walking honestly toward them that are without. Here's a group of guys. They're gathered around. They're getting to tell tales, you know, and they're getting on how bad it was when they were a kid. These are old guys usually. How bad it was when they were a kid, you know. I know it was so bad, you know. We had it so bad and so rough and how poor they were when they were kids. And, and so... Uh, the first guy, you know, tells his story, and the next guy, he tops that. He, he was even poorer, and it was even harder for him. And the third guy, you know, uh, he, he, uh, he embellishes his story, and he was poorer, and it was harder for him, and on around they go. And like Brother Bagley said, the first liar doesn't have a chance, you know, and that is the way it goes. <laughs> the, the first liar doesn't have a chance, and uh, we... We need, to, uh, we need to be that one who displays integrity and honesty in our speech, in our conduct, and in, in what we are. Um, those without must have confidence that we have integrity or they're not, going to, you know, they're not going to buy into anything we say about the gospel. If they don't see integrity in our day-to-day in -day speech, they're certainly not going to consider anything we have to say about the gospel. Look at 1 Thessalonians First Thessalonians chapter 4, you're just a couple pages over from that in Colossians. Just go toward uh, Revelation a couple of pages. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. First Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12. 
that you study, this is concerning what God's will is. If you want to know the will of God, just read the scriptures. And here's one passage that really gives you some detail on it, practical stuff. Um, but uh, verse 11 and 12, that you study to be quiet. Study to be quiet. Now, some of you guys don't have to study very much to be quiet. You know, we have to put dynamite under you, get you to say anything. But uh, um, you don't have to study to be quiet. But others really have to work on that, to study to be quiet. <laughs> Sometimes it takes some study. You know, well, I, I've told you the story of Jamie when she was a little kid and her dad she was yap, 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 yakety, yakety, yak in the back of the car, you know, constant yakety, yakety, yak. And, and uh, Jamie's not like that at all. She's very demure now. Uh, but uh, but yakety, yak, dad just couldn't take it anymore, you know. And he said, he finally, he had told her, you know, be quiet, Jamie, be quiet, Jamie. And, and she, you know, yakety, yak, yakety, yak, and question this and question that. Uh, and uh, listen to her, her kids sometime, and you may know where she gets it, where they get it from. But, <laughs> but uh, yakety, yak. And finally, he just said, Jamie, uh, you're. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be quiet for 10 minutes. You're not going to say a word for 10 minutes. And he, you know, gave some severe punishment if she was, if she didn't, you know. And so she just, you know, silently bottled it up and cried inside, you know, and moaned and cried. Nearly burst, you know. Her, her uh, you know, She was like a, a boiler that was, you know, uh, boiling over the top and the steam was coming out of her ears and everything and nearly burst for not being able to talk for 10 minutes. Well, uh, Jamie had to study to be quiet, you know, had to study to be quiet. And so... Some of us uh, have, to, uh, have to do that. And what he's saying there is sometimes uh, the, the best thing, the best response is to not say anything at all in circumstances where you're dealing with those that are without. Uh, to not say anything at all, to not respond at all, to study, to be quiet, and be quiet when the time to be quiet is. And he said to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So... The conduct of our life, doing our own business, minding our own business, taking care of our own affairs, working with our hands, being the one who is the example in labor uh, is uh, one of the ways that we're going to display an integrity toward those that are outside. And he says that in verse, uh, verse 12, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without that you may walk and conduct yourself in an honest fashion toward them that are without. In your work and in your uh, speech, in what you say and what you don't say, uh, walking honestly toward them that are without. It's one of the ways we're going to uh, be helped to accomplish our purpose of getting those that are without within. Those that are without the kingdom, within the kingdom of God. Those that are without the church, outside the church, within the uh, congregation within the family of God. So we're to do that. We're to do that um, in witnessing and in witnessing to them and winning them to Christ. We are to uh, we are to uh, display integrity and we are to uh, carry that burden uh, with us. How how is our conduct toward them with it, that are without? Well, it's it has to do with witnessing and winning them. That's part of our conduct. So look at 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and we'll spend the remnant of our time there in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 16 through verse 23. We're talking about the passages, and this is the last one, where you see the reference to those that are outside and our relationship to those that are outside. Here's the last of those passages, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16 through verse 23. If you follow along, 
1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, I heard the pages rustling back and forth and, and that. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16 through verse 23. Paul says, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me. Even if, even if it's not my desire, I have a dispensation of the gospel committed to me. Well, what's my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law. Well, not being without law to God, but under the law to Christ that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. And so in our witness and our winning of the those without to Christ, we're, we're given some insight. It's, uh, we need to see it, as he did, as a necessity. Not an option, but a necessity. So when we encourage you to go out, come out and help us, uh, uh, you know, and, and getting our objective really is covering as much uh, turf as we can, as quickly as we can, with uh, the flyers and so forth, and, and um, spreading a lot out, you know, uh, as rapidly as we can. Our objective is, is that, so that we can get some in and, and get them here under the preaching of the gospel uh, where the power of the Holy Spirit has the opportunity to work in their hearts. And so that's part of our objective. And we need to see this as not something optional in our lives, but uh, a necessity. Your witness for Christ isn't confined to a Saturday morning that you go out with us, but your witness and mine for Christ is all the time, everywhere. You know, we're we are to be a uh, we are to be a testimony wherever we're at with uh, those that are without, and we, so we need to see it as a necessity. Get the getting the gospel out is not an option, but a necessity for us as a church and for us as individual uh, believers. It's a necessity. We need to see it as a charge from God, like He did, as He said. You know, even if I even if I wasn't willing, I I still have this dispensation of the gospel committed to me. To dispense something is that God gives something to someone. He dispenses it uh, from a dispenser, which is the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit, He gives it to you, and it's committed to you to give out. the gospel. We're a conduit. We're to be a conduit of the gospel. Uh, we are the uh, element that God uses to, to take the gospel from His Word to the world. And we have that responsibility. We're to make it without charge. He said, said that in verse 18. What's my reward then? Verily that I preach the gospel, that I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. Without charge. The, uh, those that are without aren't going to pay you 
to give them the gospel, you know. Uh, uh, Chief Santiago does a lot of witnessing out there. I see his wife uh, is here, Pocahontas, is here as well. So we've got to have Chief uh, Santiago and Sister Pocahontas. But uh, they go out in the soul winning. They go out soul winning together from time to time. And Santiago is uh, winning people to Christ. And he's going through the gospel, you know, and he's telling them, okay, uh, first of all, you need to understand this, that we're all sinners and we're all coming short of the glory of God. And here it is right here. And uh, there's a penalty for our sins. I want to tell you that the Bible says that uh, the penalty for sin is death and separation from God. And, and, he's, and then he stops there and he says, oh, uh, it's time for a commercial. I can't finish the gospel until uh, I tell you about this product and <laughs> give you the opportunity to buy this because we're, we're trying to finance some things at church and we need to uh, raise some money before I can finish. He doesn't put a commercial in and make the gospel with a charge he goes all the way through it from start to finish and uh, says, uh, you know, here is the free gift that is offered uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ because he uh, paid it all for you and he makes it available to you. And if you will simply be willing to turn and uh, let God change you, he will. And here is how you call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. And so he's able to go all the way through and make it without charge to them, you know, uh, uh, Brother Santiago uh, doesn't, uh, you know, concern himself with it, says no solicitors, because he says, well, I'm not selling anything, I'm giving it away. And so, uh, yeah, that's a blessing to be able to make the gospel without charge. And that's what Paul said uh, we need to do. You know, I pay for the newspaper. Every year they send me the bill, and they always put it up twice as high as it's supposed to be, you know. And they figure if you pay it, you know, they'll they'll uh, they'll take it. So, and I always call every year and say I don't want to pay that much. And they'll say, Well, how much do you want to pay? And I say this much. And they say, Well, you meet us here. We go back and forth, and uh, and uh, pretty soon we come to a figure. And I say, Okay, I'll pay that much. But I do pay for the newspaper to be to be there every day. We pay for internet service, and there from the internet we may get our news and entertainment, and uh, we pay for the internet service, and we pay for even the radio. You say, well, I pay for the radio. I just turn it on. But you're paying for it by all those commercials that you listen to. And uh, once in a while, you're going to hear something that you respond to and you go down and buy that thing. And so you're paying for your radio as well. Uh, and the, the payment you make is the time you give for listening to ads as you listen to the radio. But we, as the, those within, are told we're to make this gospel without charge. So when we send a missionary to the mission field, we're supporting him and we're giving to him so that he can go to a, a foreign field and he doesn't have to set up there with some kind of a business and, and, and make a business of it and charge. He can give the gospel freely to those that will hear it, you know, and to make it without charge. We're committed to that. That is part of what our responsibility is to those that are uh, without to give the gospel without respect to persons or to stations in life. That's, the, that's what he's saying there when he goes down through there and he says to the Jews, I became as a Jew. To those that are without law, I became as those without law. To the Greek, I became like a Greek. I, I met them where they were. He didn't ever compromise the truth. He didn't ever uh, enter into sinful uh, conditions in order to reach somebody that was in a sinful condition. That's certainly not what uh, the scripture teaches at all but he just said I met people where they were I got people I got with people where they were 
I never isolated myself or distanced myself from them because they were different from me. And that's what we have the charge to do as well, to give the gospel without respect to persons or stations in life, you know. Uh, it's disturbing that these uh, focus groups sometimes get these church growth groups. They say, okay, you're going to focus on the 18 to 35 group, you know, and that's where you're going to put all your effort to reach the 18 to 35 group or, or uh, uh, that because that, that's where the money is and that's where the, you know, potential is and so forth. And, and so the focus is there. So let's see, orient the services. Let's fix the, you know, let's fix up the, the, the uh, auditorium so that, you know, it's that way and let's get it uh, like, uh, you know, that crowd likes it and so forth. It's, uh, that's not the way the scripture uh, tells us to reach people. It says without respect to their, to their age, to their station of life, to their background, to their uh, heritage, to their culture, without respect to any of those things. We're to, uh, we're to give the gospel without charge, you know, without charge. And so um, that's, what we're, that's what we're doing. We're, um, we're, we're called to uh, be what we ought to be within to be able to reach those that we ought to reach without. So let's uh, take that challenge and move forward uh, this month getting preparations for that and uh, these Saturday outreaches that we're involved in. Let's come. Most we've ever had out on a Saturday is 125, so we can do better than that. Uh, let's, uh, let's have more than that for our, for our big push uh, Saturday coming up. And let's get some practice Saturdays in the meantime, all right? Let's do that. Let's stand together and uh, give an invitation. And if the Spirit of God has spoken to you about uh, uh, any matter that we related in Scripture or maybe something else, uh, uh, opportunities open to make a commitment between you and the Lord here at the altar. Maybe you're just uh, here tonight to, to uh, use the altar as a place to connect with the Lord in prayer. Perhaps tonight you're here and you... You know, you're, you're among those like I was, like all of these were. All of us at one time were those that are without. We were without Christ. We were without hope. We were without help. And Jesus saved us and changed us. And so thank God for someone coming to us and showing us out of the Bible how to be saved. And maybe tonight you're there. You're saying, you know, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm without. I'm, I'm outside the kingdom of God. I'm outside the grace of God. I'm outside of his salvation, and you want us to, uh, we'd love to be able to help you, show you how to come in to him. And uh, we make, we, we're thrilled to, make, to let you know the gospel is without charge, without cost, without anything that you bring to the table. It's all the work of Christ. And so maybe you're here tonight, and that's your need. You need to come and trust Jesus Christ and hear the gospel and receive salvation. Uh, maybe that's tonight's your need. Or maybe this evening the Spirit of God has spoken to you in some other fashion and you want to respond. Maybe you just want someone to pray with you here at the altar. Perhaps you just want to come and spend your time between you and the Lord alone here and, uh, and do that. So you come as the Lord leads. 816, we're going to sing that invitation. Just uh, as the Spirit of God responds uh, or calls you to respond, you Put your hymn book down and just come. 816, Father, we ask your blessing on the invitation time, and we pray that you would guide us to respond as you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.